0: i've diagnosed some people i think it's been pretty accurate definitely
1: done my fair share of psychiatry work
0: uh, i've prescribed a few pills you know crime and knee. we are on the air with the nighttime sounds
1: welcome to ooh cr- to Ooh, welcome <laughs> what is our podcast called?
0: <laughs> oh.
1: Welcome to Crime and E, the nighttime podcast. We're your hosts.
0: <laughs> oh, were you waiting for me? We're your or did you hosts, just our names? Matt
1: and Angela, and we're here to put you to sleep.
0: Oh my God! Can you imagine the nightmares? <laughs>
1: Well Ooh, that's a good podcast. Let's talk about scary, horrible things with our nighttime radio voices.
0: That makes it even worse.
1: <laughs> and so then scary. he stabbed her multiple times.
0: <laughs> you sound like over the radio. And over again. Okay. Oh my god. Speaking of radio voices, I was listening to a podcast and one of the people. Is like from California, like Southern California, so they and I sound almost like us worse, though. <laughs> I like literally almost had to turn it off because oh. I was like, I cannot, and I felt really bad. But well, I was like, you yeah. cannot be ending every sentence in a question. <laughs> and when you say, and she and, would say, like, and
1: and and
0: then, and aunt I was like, then. no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like over pronunciating but pronouncing things wrong. And you know? I Love it. I don't know. I just <laughs> Hate like it on it. It was awful. Because before I've like heard that where it's like, oh, I can't I yeah. can't stand the like accent or whatever. And I was like, whatever, like it's not that big of a deal. And then I was like, Oh, this is really intense. It's a big
1: deal. You gotta be <laughs> Actually, able to listen <laughs> when it's a sound medium.
0: medium. So I guess what I'm trying Media. to say.
1: What I'm trying to say is, this is our new voices. We're trying to sound We're less to sound annoying, less
0: Californian, less like Valley Girls, and
1: more smooth <laughs> and jazz, and more like
0: radio personalities. So that's exactly what it is. It's smooth jazz, ninety-four-seven KSSJ. KSSJ,
1: Sacramento's smooth, smooth jazz, smooth and
0: relaxing. <sighs>
1: You know that station doesn't exist anymore. Sad times, huh?
0: I know. What are we gonna fall asleep to now? As (laughs) an adult, I would like to look back or listen back and be like, "Was it really as bad as I thought it was?" We'd like scream about it in the car. You'd probably get into it now.
1: like we're falling
0: asleep. You'd be (laughs)
1: snapping your fingers now. Like, we're adults.
0: We get oh it. Oh, my God. We Do understand. Do you remember dad would snap his fingers in the car?
1: Dad still snaps his fingers to music. And I catch <laughs> myself like snapping.
0: Along. Dad's <laughs> snapping along. Oh, no, you're a snapper. Oh,
1: we're a musical family.
0: Does that mean I'm going to be a clapper? Oh,
1: can we tell our audience that we just found out that our grandfather actually played the washtub tub bass? The thing I was trying to describe to you. So
0: I'm embarrassed that I didn't know what it was. It's, it's in our genes. It's obviously a family trait to be good at the washtub bass.
1: We are not. Among other things. We are not from West Virginia. So it's impressive that he knew how to play that <laughs> instrument.
0: <laughs> it's a little Portuguese man from Hawaii. Song, you know. <laughs> Eclectic.
1: Eclectic.
0: He was so musical. Why am I not musical?
1: Well. Well, you Uh. know, it takes practice and patience.
0: We just, like, absorbed all the not-so-pleasant traits of (laughs) everyone. (laughs) But the pleasant ones.
1: Mm. Oh, so we're recording a podcast right now, right? Oh, God. Okay.
0: We're just, like, bonding. We haven't talked to each other for a while. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Back it up. Um, Moving
1: on. Moving on. So this week, uh, Angela has... Officially moved, so she's working on getting all her stuff situated and
0: Look, work, guys, I'm at
1: my wits end. Full-time back at school and work and moving and all this stuff. So this week, I will be telling a story, and she will be listening.
0: Oh, okay. I have a scary story, too. Ooh. Offer. Real story? It's not really scary. No, you're oh. going to be like, it's one of my stories. It's like a classic. Okay, so. <laughs> So when we first moved here, uh, we, okay, so Toby, he does his own thing. You know, I can't keep him in. He's going to do things at his own pace. I just got to trust that he's going to come back someday and that's it. So
1: let's remind our audience that Toby is a cat and not a captive child or something.
0: (laughs) He's not like the other cats. Just like, you know, but anyway, special, he is special. So he like briefly we like just got here. We like moved in. I put him in the room. So I was like, oh, I'll do the thing that you're Mm -hmm. supposed to do and like keep him in the room. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) I kept him in the room for like a little bit, but then he really wants to come out. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to let him out let him do it at his own time, his own pace. He wants to be with people. It's fine. So he like kind of was wandering around, exploring the house, like doing his thing. And then he went outside like briefly and like sat on the deck, I think. And then he came back in and, and then we're like, okay, well, we're going to, leave to go return the U Haul. So we all get in the cars and we're all gone and then we come back and the like slider is open Uh and I was like, oh shit. So I look in the room, Toby's not here. So I'm like going around the house, (laughs) like calling Toby. And then we asked Like our new roommate. Like, have you seen Toby? And he's like, Oh, he was in his room. And then I was like, No, he's not there. And I was like, Calling. I was like, Oh my god, if I lost my cat, like, (laughs) Like I'm gonna like never forgive myself (laughs) because Zachary's like, Oh, should we close him in the room? And I was like, No, it's fine. He can wander around the house if he wants to if he feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. So we're like going around. I'm calling him. I'm calling him. I'm going like up and down the street. Like, there's this truck that's like started. And I was like, Oh my god, what if he heard the truck like ran off? And I was like freaking out. Oh my god, he's lost. We're all looking and calling him. And then Zachary was like, I found him. I was like, where was he? And he's like, he's under a blanket on the bed napping.
1: <laughs> Spooky. I like
0: wanted to cry. I was like, Little I almost threw up from You are calling him and he didn't even. Yeah, because that's what I was like. I was like, okay, well, if he's in the house, like he usually will come and let us know where he is. And he wasn't. So I was like, he's not in the house. I like called and looked everywhere in the house. He's not in the house. Yeah. And he never goes under blankets. He doesn't like being under blankets. And for whatever reason. <sighs> I was like, you little shit. Like you know I'm calling you. I'm like panicking and you're just like napping away, like whatever. Asshole.
1: I had a no, I had a I had a cat scare last night too. Cause you know there's been a lot of like coyote reportings yeah. in the neighborhood and he he was sitting on my lap last night and then I was like harassing him. I mean, not harassing him, but I was petting him, and then he was getting annoyed, noise so he was biting me, so then I was, like, yeah. holding his tail and making him bite his tail instead of me, and then <sighs> he, like, ran off, and, like, I didn't see him, and then I heard this horrible, like, cat, like, <sighs> like, sound sounded like cats mating, basically, you know, like, that horrible, like...
0: When they yell at each other.
1: Screaming. Yeah. And I was, like, fuck, and I, like, ran outside, I was, like, looking, like, calling him, didn't see him, looked all over my house, didn't see him, and I was, like, okay, well... I'm either going to find a dead cat in the morning or he's going to come in. And then sure enough, at like 7 a.m., he's like, where's my breakfast, bitch? And I was like, oh, oh god
0: my damn god damn <laughs> <laughs> oh, They're so stressful. And I feel like such a bad, like, cat companion because I do let him go outside. But, like, it, his quality of life would be so shitty if I didn't. Like, he yeah. cannot stand being indoors all the time.
1: No. I mean, they're dicks. My cat's the same way. You know.
0: He they need it on their terms. They need to be in and out when they want to, uh-huh. and that's like
1: there's no stopping them. And if that you means you get a, to stress about and it, honestly, if that means they have a shorter lifespan, so be it. Because at least their shorter lifespan will be ha- happier, <laughs> and
0: yeah. they won't be
1: shitting and pissing all over my
0: stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Ugh! I still have nightmares of the pee poo shower I experienced because of that cat. What? Did I tell you? No. When I lived in Oakland and I was trying to keep him inside, we had, like, a big shelf that we stored a bunch of our, like, camping stuff in. And so they were all in, like, plastic bins, you know. And I, like, pulled this plastic bin off the top, the uppermost shelf to (gasps) grab some stuff and I pulled it down, so it came down at an angle, and a river of pee and poop fell on my head oh all my over me. He had been shitting and pissing on the top of this box for like- You thought
0: he was like doing so good? I thought that
1: he was like, I don't know what I thought. Or he was
0: ill. Because his litter stopping. box was always empty,
1: and I was like, maybe he was going outside. No, he was peeing and pooping on top of this box, so when I pulled it down, it was cold <sighs> urine, cat pee, and turds raining on my head. I like dry heaved into the bathroom and then showered with everything that I was wearing for like an uh, hour.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that's so disgusting.
1: (laughs) I don't know why that it was worse than it was cold. Oh anyway. Because it's
0: just like so unpleasant in like Sp- every way. Speaking of oh spooky
1: God, stories. So
0: gross. Speaking of needing to take a shower, oh, like if yeah. you need to take a shower, and we all know ammonia is like so hard to get off. <laughs> if you need to take a shower, try Humblebee Herbal. They've got amazing soaps that smell so good. Yeah. They're made of all natural ingredients. They're palm oil-free, fragrance oil-free all natural for real yeah mica free they're all like really all good.
1: really beautiful different colors and all the colors come from nature it's all nice and if you're gonna take a shower you might as well get a shower steamer which is like this nice little menthol puck that kind of opens up your airways and makes yeah, like fill a that spa shower experience with
0: menthol not ammonia
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah or if you're more of a bath taker they have bath fizzies which are basically bath bombs but they don't like to use the word bomb because they're a they're non-violent peaceful, company
0: non-violent.
1: so they're really cute they're like these heart shaped bath fizzies that make your bath a luxurious spa
0: they're so nice because the bath fizzies have like a little bit of oil in them. So you just feel like so soft mm. when you get out. It's like so good.
1: So check them out at humblebeherbal.com. Use code CRIMENY20 at checkout to get 20% off your first order. That's humblebeherbal.com. Okay. Okay.
0: You ready? No. That's why I've been stalling.
1: By the way, this is episode 60.
0: Woo! Oh, for
1: real? Six-zero. What, what? Mm. Okay, so since you've had a rough week, I've done an episode that's, mm, I would say, less violent for an episode that I usually do. Still a lot of trauma, but you know.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, I'm so over my trauma limit, but okay, let's keep going.
1: (laughs) All right. So I got my information from Wikipedia, time.com, New York Daily News, and today.com. So this story starts like many others I've talked about. and Everything's
0: perfect and wonderful. Starts
1: with a family. Let's a nice, just leave
0: it at that. Nice little
1: family <laughs> of five. Cute. A mother, a father, two daughters, and a son. Mm. Year is 1961. So this is a a happy, well-adjusted family who lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Ah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Cheeseheads. Go cheese. (laughs) Go Go cheese. cheese.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love cheese.
1: The father's name was Arthur Dupereau. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Dupereau.
0: You probably aren't.
1: Right. French is not my strong suit.
0: Also with our are. Wisconsin cousins, one mm. time I said something about California having better cheese because we're happy cows. <laughs> and then he was like, those commercials like ruined us. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I was like, what? That's right. I was like, Your cows aren't happier. We have better cheese. So I was like, whatever.
1: <laughs> our cows are enjoying sunshine <laughs> while yours are huddled up in the cold sharing scarves and jackets.
0: Ugh, if only they gave him scarves and jackets.
1: It's cute. We should knit cow sweaters.
0: Anyway. Yeah, let to Wisconsin. <laughs> just like a box of cow sweaters.
1: Oh, we hear that your cows are unhappy. They're not as happy as California cows. Here's some sweaters. <laughs> uh, okay, so Arthur, um, he was a 41-year-old optometrist with a zest for life and a craving for adventure. And
0: he oh. had eyes and he... No, no. I mean a zest for eyes. He's an optometrist. He
1: did have a zest for eyes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is
0: that the correct...
1: <laughs> well, it is now. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. He often dreamed of sailing around the world with his family by his side. Wow. Yeah. It's a big ask.
0: That's a really big <laughs> ask for
1: five people on a boat. Uh, he had served during World War Two. And wanted to return to the tropical waters that he had sailed before during his service. I guess he was... But in a
0: peaceful way.
1: Right. Yeah. And he wanted to like share it with his family because he thought it was just like the most wonderful place to go, the tropics and stuff. Sure. So he wanted to take his family sailing in the tropics for the winter instead of enduring the harsh Wisconsin winters with their chili cows. <laughs> chili cows. <laughs> Uh, his wife Jean was up for the adventure but she wanted to make sure that she and the kids were comfortable with this lifestyle change so they decided to um, save up some money and then they were going to do a test run.
0: Well, I thought you said just for the winter you're you're Well yeah about no so, so, cuz like he well
1: no he wanted his idea was to like get a boat and like do this permanently and then oh my she God. was like let's like see if me and the kids even like being on a boat can you imagine like growing
0: up stuck on a boat like w- well you know they wouldn't being like, homeschooled would. by your parents yeah. and like but the adventure of the sea you were like never home how would you have dealt with being home like all the time on a small boat with mom well, dad and me
1: the m- most traumatic part for me would have been being on a boat
0: I think for us all, we would all be so miserable.
1: All of us would just be puking all so over green. the boat. <laughs> None of us are made for water. So I don't know, luckily oh, yeah, we didn't have to. There's not a chance mm, that was
0: going to happen nope. at all. I
1: <laughs> guess we can That's true. be lucky about
0: that. <laughs>
1: uh, so yeah, you're right. So she, so he was like, well, let's go for the winter. Get out of the Wisconsin winter. Let's go to the tropics. Let's check it out. See if Sounds you guys good. like it. Um, and... Okay, so it was Arthur, Jean and their kids, Brian who was 14, Terry Joe who was 11 and Renee who was 7.
0: Uh, see. Uh.
1: <laughs> but they all agreed that they wanted to try it. it. Sounded fun.
0: Well, yeah, fuck Wisconsin in the winter.
1: Yeah. So they were going to charter a boat and leave from Florida and sail around the Bahamas for like a couple weeks. And Thanks. so the boat that they chartered was a 33-year-old 60-foot catch called the blue bell it's like a big I don't yacht know what, kind like of. any of those words are <laughs> it's not a small boat but it's not a huge boat
0: like too small for five people uh i just feel like the bedrooms are always like so tiny yeah. on a boat
1: well yeah yeah i mean i don't know i think it was fine it was big enough for them okay I mean, if they were all adults, maybe it was going to be a little bit too small. But I don't know. I need a lot of leg room.
0: You do (laughs) for my short legs.
1: (laughs) Hey, I like to at least have the option. Like option of leg room. (laughs) Uh. So, not being able to handle the ship alone, they hired Julian Harvey and his new wife Mary to accompany them on the journey.
0: This is a packed
1: boat. <laughs> <laughs> Four adults and three children, yes.
0: I just feel like before you do this, you'd want to learn how to drive a boat.
1: Well, I think, like, Arthur had been on boats through, like, through his service in the army. So he was familiar, And but they hired Julian to be, like, the... Captain Skipper mm-hmm. or whatever. Like he was gonna sail the boat. <laughs> captain Skipper. <laughs> captain Skipper. All right. It's Barbie's best friend.
0: <laughs> Cute. Captain Skipper.
1: <laughs> uh and and then Mary was gonna be like the the help. Like she was gonna cook all the meals and then like just make sure that everything was like going smoothly.
0: Damn.
1: And so Julian Harvey, he was a well liked seaworthy captain who would occasionally take people out on chartered yachts. Um, before that, though, he grew up on Long Island with his grandparents, where he was oh, a sharp nice. dresser and a talented gymnast. That's right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. At 24, he enlisted, and he spent 16 years in the Air Force. Shit. He flew bombers in North Africa, Europe, and the South Pacific during World War II, and between wars, he won a special accommodation for deliberately ditching planes in Virginia's James River to test evacuation procedures. So he's, like, jumping out of planes and stuff to, like, test these... Yeah. So
0: and he's like, Yeah, I'll do it. That's that sounds good. Yeah.
1: Also I'll test I don't out know your parachutes. Ditching planes and rivers. That just seems problematic for the rivers, but I don't, I don't know.
0: It seems problematic in a lot of <laughs> ways. Like it feels really wasteful yeah. Yeah. and also very dangerous for the river fish and other creatures of the
1: You would think, or like anyone fishing below. I don't know. Maybe they cleared the spot. I don't know much about it, but
0: don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like you have to dodge people. This is like really, you know, you got to learn how to dodge people Uh and ditch a boat. I mean, a ditch a plane.
1: Yeah, I don't know. In in Korea, he flew 114 missions in jet fighters.
0: Holy shit!
1: And he received many awards and medals before injuries. From a plane crash that led to a medical discharge in 1958. So after he was discharged, he started just like chartering boats and taking people out.
0: Okay, that dude probably felt invincible.
1: Yeah, I would assume so.
0: (laughs) He's like, I've jumped out of more planes than you'll ever fly in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shit. And then... So him and Mary... I think they got married like a month or so before this adventure. And she was a 34-year-old flight attendant and aspiring writer. Mm. And she was excited to join Harvey or Julian. I don't know why I switched because Harvey could be a first name too. She was excited to join Julian on this trip. And like I said, she was responsible for cooking all the meals for the family So, they boarded the Bluebell in Fort Fort Lauderdale on November 8th, 1961. Julian piloted the Bluebell east towards a tiny island chain of Bimini. Bimini. For two days, the family cruised around the Bahama Islands and they headed further east to Standy Point. At Sandy Point on Great Abeco Island, they spent a fun week relaxing on the beach, exploring the island, snorkeling, collecting shells. You know, just living it are up. Are
0: these islands that like people live on? These islands, like, is there like stuff going on there?
1: Um, I think that like there's a ton of islands in the Bahamas. So like, yeah. some of them are smaller than others and more inhabited than others, and some of them are just kind of like people stop off there and enjoy the some beaches are, like, private. and stuff. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, But, okay, so before departing the island, they stopped by the office of the Sandy Point Commissioner to fill out forms before leaving the Bahamas and returning to the United States.
0: Oh, like, uh, what's it called, forms? Customs? Kind of,
1: yeah. I think, like, stamp your passport or whatever. Uh, our, our, uh, I want to say author, but his name is Arthur. <laughs> Arthur the author. Arthur told the commissioner, this has been a once-in-a-lifetime vacation, and we will be back before Christmas.
0: And he's like, cool, bro. I don't I'm need to know. Sick. Glad you enjoyed our <laughs> Glad island. Glad you had a great time. See
1: you later. <laughs> and then, Come back
0: before Christmas. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. We'll make sure to put some presents under the tree for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so glad to hear mm-hmm.
1: so they set sail in the evening to start their journey back to Florida which was kind of unusual as normally you would sail during the day and drop anchor I at mean, night
0: yeah I would think so you yeah. can't really see during the night
1: Yeah, you and would people assume. can't really see you mm-hmm. during the mm-hmm. night so they set sail and that night Mary prepared a wonderful dinner of chicken cacciatore and a
0: salad Oh, God, I'm glad (laughs) she's a good cook. Apparently, it was great. Why wasn't she cooking like fish?
1: (laughs) Maybe it was chicken of the sea.
0: (laughs) Was it chicken or is it fish? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jessica. Oh, Jessica. That was when life was simpler.
1: How simple. (laughs) Okay, so flash forward to the next morning. Captain Julian Harvey was rescued from a lifeboat by a Puerto Rico bound tanker ship called the Gulf Lion.
0: Uh, uh,
1: He yelled to the ship, My name is Julian Harvey. I am master of the Bluebell. Nope. Next to (laughs) him. You're not
0: mastering it anymore. (laughs) It's gone. Gone.
1: Next to him in the lifeboat was the unresponsive body of little seven year old Renee. Once aboard the tanker, he told the crew of the horrible night he had and how he was lucky to be saved. He explained that while they were sailing, the wind picked up really fast, like really tough wind, and that it had snapped the sailboat's main mast, sending a 50-foot length of it hurtling straight down, piercing the deck like it was made of paper. What the fuck? Then, he said, the other mast cracked... And oh. he said, this collapse of the entire rig reduced us to a bare hull wallowing in the sea. He said oh, that. A
0: hole in it. Yeah.
1: He said that when the mass broke, his wife and the Duperos were injured. And like he was going to try and help them, but everything happened so fast. And he said that the gas lines in the engine room ruptured and a fire broke out. And then the boat began what? rapidly taking on water.
0: Okay, I don't know anything about sailing
1: (laughs) Uh at all. (laughs) Obviously.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but, like, winds pick up, you drop the sail, right? You don't want your mast to break.
1: You would assume.
0: And, like, what's the mast made of that it's just, like, snapping and then, like, spearing your boat?
1: (laughs) From wind? Yeah, I don't know.
0: And the fuel lines are just, like, a coincidence?
1: I think maybe, like, the mast going through the ship maybe, like, hit something in the engine room. He didn't really say, explain much other yeah, I'm than can, okay. everything happened really news. fast. Things are happening. Yeah. Breaking fire.
0: And well, also, then, don't you kind of, like, get, like, a weather report or something, <laughs> like, before you leave?
1: It was a, uh, what was it called? I want to say silent but deadly, but that's a fart. Uh, what's it called? A sneaky wind. A sneaky wind. A
0: sneaky wind.
1: <laughs> I think that's the scientific term. It's a sneaker wind.
0: You know, it was uh, one of those sneaky winds. It was like,
1: you know, sleeper waves, sneaky winds.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sleeper yeah.
1: wave, wind. I don't know. Whatever.
0: Sneaky
1: wind. A sneaky wind. He said that he went to launch the lifeboat and everything happened so fast that he wasn't able to get anyone else on board the boat.
0: Okay. So he's mysteriously not injured. Uh-huh. Everyone else is injured. Uh-huh. He mysteriously is the only one that gets to lifeboat. Everyone else is like ailing and injured and not able to get the boat. What are boat you saying? The lifeboat's <laughs> on fire and also has a hole in it. and also Not is the like lifeboat, the boat boat. No, to no, the boat. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Okay, the boat has a hole in it. It's on fire. It's sinking. Yeah, the mast it's on is fire all gone. and on water. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> he said that the lifeboat fell into the water and that he had to dive in after it. And, um, like, that's why he couldn't really go back to save anyone else. He
0: dove into a lifeboat.
1: He dove into the water because the lifeboat like fell off the boat and was kind mm-hmm. of drifting away. So he dove into How the could water he see to anything? get. The, I don't know.
0: Night okay. vision.
1: He's part out. Why are you
0: sailing at night? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so many sure. questions. Yep. So many questions.
1: So he said that he was able to successfully get to the lifeboat, pull himself on board. And then once he was on the boat, he saw. The little unconscious body of Renee wearing a life vest that was much too big for her. And he paddled over to her and he pulled her body on board the boat and he tried to save her. He said he tried to revive her with CPR.
0: Okay, so they had the wherewithal to put on life vests but they weren't able to get to the boat. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So uh you know the boat that he was like rescued on they took him to the coast guard or whatever and an investigation into the ship's demise was launched
0: obviously
1: and julian willingly told the investigators everything that he could to help them wrap up the investigation so he could go home
0: <laughs> it's
1: like let's wrap this shit up come on i've got a chicken cacciatore on the stove i got to get home <laughs>
0: Look, the mast broke. It pierced the boat, caught I don't know, on fire. What else you it's want like, from me? Dove into the ocean. It's like the typical I'm lucky story. to be alive.
1: I tried to save the little girl. You know,
0: bada happens bing, all the bada 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 time. <laughs> she was wearing a giant life vest. I don't know what more you want from me.
1: I mean, I am telling you details.
0: <laughs> These are very specific details. details. I'm not lying. Sneaky wind,
1: fire, the sneaky water, wind, all the elements. There was no earth, though. But uh, we we are now on Earth, so here's the Earth. I was rescued. All the elements.
0: I'm trying to get back to the Earth, Mm -hmm. so let's wrap this up. Wrap it up.
1: Got to go home. And he was the sole survivor of a horrible accident.
0: Oh, the little girl didn't make it.
1: They thought that it was a little strange that he had managed somehow to put life-saving supplies in the lifeboat before (laughs) he escaped the wreckage. But all they had was his version of events. So well,
0: he didn't explain that, did he? So they're kind of like, well, I don't know. Maybe he just had it with him.
1: Maybe he pre-packed the lifeboat just in case. Who knows?
0: He's like, I'm terrified of sneaky winds. So sneaky
1: wins. He's just always not this prepared. boat packed at all times. He's a boy scout. Always be prepared. So meanwhile, three and a half days after the horrible tragedy at sea, a freighter called the Captain Theo. So they just let
0: him go. They're just like, well, we can't. I mean, what are they gonna do? Happening. Like they. So,
1: goodbye. Everything is gone. It's all sunk. He's the only one that's survived. It's his story.
0: That is his story. That's accurate. Yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> what are they gonna do? Uh yeah. I guess there's no evidence, really. Okay. Huh.
1: Yeah. Okay, so a freighter called Captain Theo was about 120 miles from Miami when a crew member spotted what looked like some trash in the water. And... um, it was far away and he could barely make out what he was seeing. In fact, he would have missed it altogether since it was the debris was white and the wave caps on the water are white. Are also yeah. white. <laughs> but he noticed yeah. that like unlike wave caps that would like rise and then disappear and then change form yeah. and come back and you know.
0: It was the same. This cap
1: was not disappearing like you'd expect. Uh-oh. So he kept an eye on it and he watched it bob on the waves. And then as the ship got closer, they thought it might have been, like, a small fishing boat, but what was it doing all the way yeah. out there? Right. And then finally, they got close enough that they could make out what it actually was. What was it? It appeared to be some sort of flotation device made of cork and canvas about
0: oh my God. two feet
1: wide by five feet long. It was basically, like, a... Canvas-covered cork oval, and then in the inside was, like, a net. So, oh, my
0: God.
1: Yeah. So it was designed for people to hang on to, like, for yeah. a few hours waiting for a rescue, not be ridden on for days. Then they noticed that there was a young girl wearing pink corduroy pedal pushers <gasps> and a white blouse who was badly sunburned and barely alive. Oh. Sitting stiffly on the float.
0: Oh, my God. Oh,
1: shit. Uh, A crew member actually took a picture as they were, like, coming closer to her. And that picture was used as a two-page spread in Life magazine shortly after the incident. You can see it. After pulling her from the ocean, she was in and out of consciousness with a fever of 105, what? She was given water and orange juice as they sponged the salt water off her frail body with wet towels oh and applied Vaseline God. to her lips. Oh. She was barely able to eke out a few words and identify herself as Terry Joe DuPereau and that, and that she had been floating for several days after her ship sank.
0: Oh, my God.
1: She then fell into a semi-comatose state The crew contacted the Coast Guard and informed them of their discovery. And then Terry Jo was taken by rescue helicopter to a Miami hospital in critical condition. She was so weak and dehydrated that she could barely speak. So they kind of just like tended to her for about a week. And a week after her rescue, she was finally able to speak and tell the investigators her accounts of what happened. What
0: happened?
1: During this time, Julian was still being questioned the investigators informed him that they had found another survivor and that Terry oh. Joe had been rescued.
0: And he's like, you know, actually, when I said that the mask <laughs> snapped and the sneaky wind. Uh,
1: <laughs> hey, you know, kids make shit up.
0: Yeah. You know, that's what happened. They have an imagination. And she's uh, she's going to say all kinds of stuff because yeah. she doesn't understand sneaky winds no. like I well, do. I'm a professional
1: so. sneaky wind investigator. I've flown in she's sneaky winds, confused. I've sailed sneaky winds. She's a child. We've
0: all been in sneaky winds except for her. Well, she's too young so. to know
1: a sneaky wind.
0: And we all know that sneaky winds make you a little bit delusional. Well, yeah. so, I mean it's fast. You know, it rips it's sails so apart, mas
1: down that like
0: it comes out of nowhere. It, j- and it just, like, Jiggles disappears. your brain anyway. That's how fast it That's is. Right. Jumble. That's right.
1: So uh to the news, Julian replied, Oh my god why that's wonderful he then <laughs> he then excused himself from the interview saying he was tired huh. and needed to go
0: rest he's like um i need to go panic alone uh, now excuse me he
1: immediately went back to his hotel room at the sandman hotel which i kind of think oh. is uh, an awesome name for a hotel and creepy
0: yeah it is but cool no but then you're going to like sleep so well because the sandman
1: and you'll be listening to Matt and Ange tell you about the Sandman entering your dreams.
0: The stories that the Sandman brings. Mm. I can't do it because I can't hear myself. You sound like it. You do it. it. Oh, I did. Did it?
1: You sounded like. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) Cool. I like literally do not hear myself correctly ever at all.
1: Yes, I think that's pretty normal. Okay. Okay. The next the next day, when a housekeeping lady went to enter his room, she noticed blood on the bed sheets. <gasps> Upon further inspection, she realized that the bathroom door was shut and something was up against it, preventing her from entering.
0: Oh, no. So she
1: informed her manager of the issue, and the police were called. Oh. The police came and forced open the bathroom door, and there mm-hmm. they found the bloody, lifeless body of Julian.
0: Of course. It
1: appeared he had slashed his thigh, his ankles, and his throat with a double edged razor.
0: Efficient.
1: In a suicide note that he left, he wrote, I'm a nervous wreck and just can't continue.
0: And I think that we're <laughs> going to find out why. <laughs> I
1: think we might. Back to Terry Joe. Terry Jo recounted the night of the incident. She remembered eating chicken for dinner and having a great <laughs> evening with her family and Julian and Mary. She said it was like all the other nights, good company, good food, lots of talking and hanging out with her family. Er-
0: I just imagine like a little kid be like, oh, it's good company.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have asked for better company.
0: <laughs> it was a lovely evening.
1: Mm. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> Around 9 p.m., she was getting kind of tired, and she decided that she was going to go to her sleeping quarters in the small cabin at the back of the boat below the deck, while everyone else stayed up on top. She recounted that in the middle of the night, she heard her brother screaming, "Help oh, daddy God. help!" And oh, Then she heard running and stomping noises.:
0: Then oh, it was so scary.: Then it
1: was silent. Oh. After a few minutes of being terrified by the sounds in her bed, she bravely crept out of her cabin.
0: Oh, my God. As
1: she entered the main cabin, which functioned as the kitchen and dining room during the day and a bedroom at night, she saw her mother and brother lying in a pool of blood.
0: Oh, my God. She
1: said she knew instantly that they were dead. She slowly climbed the stairs and stuck her head out of the hatch, where she said she saw more blood and possibly a bloody knife. As she made her way to the top of the stairs, Julian, out of nowhere, lunged at her and pushed her back down the stairs, (gasps) yelling at her to get back down there. Oh, my God. She was so scared that she ran back to her room and into her bed. She then heard sloshing noises and (gasps) soon could see water and oil slowly filling her room. Her mat- This is so terrifying. Her mattress began to float in the water, and she knew at that moment that the ship was sinking and she needed to get out. Oh, my God. Suddenly, she saw Julian's silhouette in the doorway to her cabin, and it looked like he was carrying a rifle. And it And it was pointed at her. Oh, my God. She could hear his heavy breathing the water sloshing around her, and the beating of her own heart. Oh, my God. Suddenly, Julian turned and walked away. She heard him climb the stairs to the upper deck. Now, at this point, the water was coming up above her mattress, and she knew she needed to leave immediately. So she waded through the now waist-deep water and climbed the stairs to the top, she could see Julian messing with the lifeboat and she yelled to him, "Is the ship sinking?" He said, oh. he said, "Yes." And he asked her to hold a rope that was attached to the lifeboat. Um and I think that was like the rope that was going to lower the lifeboat down. Yeah. And she tried to hold the rope, but it it's s- so it slipped through her fingers and the boat fell into the water and started drifting away and then yeah. Julian immediately dove into the ocean and swam after the boat and he was able to catch up to the lifeboat and then she couldn't see him anymore he like disappeared into the night oh my god and Terry Joe remembered earlier in their adventures seeing the cork life float that was tied to the right mm-hmm. side of the boat which was now just barely above the water so she scrambled to untie it just as the ship sank beneath the water. She, oh, my God. She climbed, onto, she climbed onto this little floaty thing and, like, tried to... I think she, like, climbed on with her arms and was, like, kicking away to try and move it into the open water away from the wreckage. Yeah. Well, one of the ropes that was tying that had tied it snagged onto the sinking ship and pulled her and the float underwater towards the sinking ship. And she said she just, like, held on to it. And luckily the rope came free and her and the float resurfaced. Oh, my God. She kept herself low in the float because she was terrified that Julian was going to come back and kill her.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: she said it was pitch black that night after the lights of the oh. ship had sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Like, the the moon wasn't out and the stars weren't really terrifying. out. She couldn't see anything. She had no food, no water. Thin clothes, no way to keep warm or dry. Like I said, it was like an oval, and then it was a net that she could sit on. So she's like in the water, in the dark, floating by herself.
0: so scary.
1: The salt water stung her eyes and lips, and at one point there was a sudden downpour of rain, which drenched her already wet body, so she was like really, really fucking cold that night the next morning the sun was like a nice welcoming thing she could see and it was warm and she could dry off but it until it was nice until she realized that it was just as dangerous as the cold Mm because now she was being baked in the sun with no protection yeah the temperature rose to 85 degrees and she was getting burned Her lips were chapped, and her feet, which had to dangle off the sides, were being bitten by the sharp teeth of parrotfish, and the flotation device was slowly disintegrating.
0: I cannot even... Yeah.
1: In the middle of an ocean, you see no land on this any is so side.
0: This horrific.
1: Floating on this little device. And
0: you're ti- like you're this tiny kid. You By
1: yourself. Uh. And this device is meant to be in water for like hours, not days. Um, and she said that she started focusing on thoughts of her father because she hadn't seen him and she was wondering if he had survived or where he was she hadn't yeah she hadn't seen him she didn't know and then came the cold and lonely night again oh my god everything was once again dark and she was cold and couldn't see anything and she just floated aimlessly and wherever the waves took her she had to go and she said she like thought about her family and she prayed and I'm just so kind of hung in there girl. Her tongue was dry and she was getting dehydrated, but she wasn't hungry or thirsty. Then the next day, the sun came up again, and once again, it started baking her. And she saw a small red plane circle overhead, and she thought maybe they saw her. So she started waving to get its attention. She even took her shirt off and started waving it around because it was like a white flag, but because. Yeah. She was white. I mean, she's like blonde hair, white kid on a white raft with a white shirt in the middle of an ocean where the only other color besides blue green is white.
0: Oh, God.
1: So, yeah, she's waving the shirt around. She at one point thought that the plane saw her because it did kind of this dip towards her. But then it just kept going.
0: Oh, how heartbreaking. Yeah,
1: the plane didn't see her at all. I guess the angle that it was flying, it wouldn't have been able, the people in the plane would not have been able to see her. Then in the afternoon, she saw shapes coming towards her in the water. And as they got closer, she saw that they were porpoises staring back at her. And she said she felt comforted by them and that they actually hung out around her for a few hours and just kind of like chilled with her. She said she talked to them wow. and she felt like they were protecting her. And then after a while, the sun set again and she was alone in the dark. And this little raft is disintegrating and the ropes beneath her are snapping. So she had to kind of like oh balance on the edge of one of, on the edge of the oval. She like kind of stiffened her body so that it wouldn't like fall in. Uh. Um. She said that... The cold darkness was a relief to her sunburned body, but then it was, like, super cold and miserable. And that night she dreamed that she was with her father and that he had a glass of red wine. She said she had never tasted wine before, but it looked really refreshing. And then her father spoke to her and said, Come on, Terry Joe, we're leaving. The next morning the sun came up, and the glare of the sun on the water caused her dry eyes severe pain. And her body mm-hmm. ached and her skin was badly burned. Even the skin under her clothes was burned. Yeah. By this point, she was having, like I said, she was having to awkwardly balance on the edge of the device. And uh, she began to hallucinate. She said that mm-hmm. she thought she saw an island with a palm tree on it. And she began paddling her way to it with her badly burned arms, but then the island disappeared, and then shortly after that she fell unconscious.
0: This is horrible. How is this any less like traumatic? I mean I said it wasn't
1: I mean, I just it's not gory. It pretty much is.
0: (laughs) This is horrific.
1: (laughs) Ugh Well, by the fourth day the sun rose again. And by this point, she wasn't even bothered by how hot it was or how badly she hurt all over. She was in a deep sleep close to death's door. And by mid-morning, she opened her eyes as a huge shadow loomed over her. And she could feel its loud noises in her chest. She saw what looked like a giant black wall. And when she looked up at the top of the wall, she could see heads and waving arms. And uh, I guess they were, like, yelling at her to, like, stay where she was and not try and get off the boat because they could see sharks circling below her. Then she said she felt herself being lifted up by someone's arms and she fell back into unconsciousness. And then that's when they gave her the water and the juice and they got her a helicopter and took her to the hospital After recounting her version of events, and once she was well enough to be released from the hospital, Terry Jo returned back to Green Bay to live with her father's sister and three cousins.
0: This is so sad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because of Terry's story of what happened that night and the fact that Julian killed himself, the investigation looked more deeply into Julian's past. Her story completely contradicted his and looking into his past, it appeared that he had been married six times. His second wife was also killed in an accident at which Julian was present for. Mm -hmm. Julian, his second wife Joan, and her mother Myrtle Bolin, I
0: love Myrtle. Myrtle.
1: Um, they were driving in Florida on a rainy night in 1946, in a 1946 Plymouth, which I'm sure you I wanted was to say, know. say, how
0: old is this guy? Car. <laughs> uh,
1: they were like crossing a bridge and then somehow the car veered off the road at high speeds and plunged into a bayou, which he was able to escape and swim to the shore. But Joan and her mother drowned.
0: Because he had practiced, like, (laughs) jumping out of planes? I don't know. Was this before or after that? Like... Or maybe after this, he found his calling?
1: Well, I don't know. During. Um,
0: Well, you said, like, no, you said it was in 1946. Now I'm confused. Okay, sorry. I'm
1: sure it was it was, like, when he was in the service.
0: So he's like, I know how to get out of this situation. They don't. So I'm going to tuck and roll (laughs) and they're going to die.
1: Well, a diver who inspected the wreckage wondered how Julian had managed to get out unhurt. He said, at that speed and short distance, it seemed unlikely that a man could get out of the car before it struck the water unless he was ready to get out of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Then
1: they looked into another incident where Julian was responsible for wrecking another ship. They
0: Wait, so the car thing happened. They're like, weird. Yeah. Oh and wow. And he got
1: to collect some insurance money on that. Yeah. Uh okay. So the another incident, they were sailing. Uh, he's on a ship, and he was like, captaining this ship, and they were in this part of the ocean that everyone knew to avoid this certain area because it wasn't safe. One of the passengers of
0: the ship said. I remember like the Bermuda Triangle, yeah, well, like, just don't go
1: there, well, it was like a wreckage, like a place where a ship had wrecked before, and the wreckage was there, so if you went near it, you could damage your ship on the wreckage or something,
0: and then wreck your right. ship, okay, He
1: said that everyone knew to avoid that area, so okay, wait, uh, yeah, everyone knew to avoid that area. He said, I remember we sailed around the wreck twice. Julian said he was trying to read markings on a buoy, and that's why he kept going closer to the wreckage.
0: Uh, sure. Sure, Julian. Sure. Yeah.
1: Everybody who has sailed those waters knows about the sunken ship and just stays away from her. The wreck was way off course. You have to work at it to find her. The 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 crew
0: kept... And he went there twice.
1: Yeah. Like, circled it and then tried to get close. Okay. The crew kept That's telling cool. him to okay. steer clear of the wreckage, but he repeatedly navigated to the prohibited site. Yet he... Uh, okay, not, I don't know why it says yet, um, but he managed to hit the wreckage and sink the ship that he was sailing.
0: Because it sounds like that was his goal. Right,
1: because he was awarded $14,258 in damages for the loss of his ship.
0: So what's his deal? Is this, like, PTSD? Like, what's going on? I think it's
1: always about the money.
0: Yes, but he's, like, risking his life and, like, everyone's lives. and I like don't think he really people. cares about other
1: people's lives. He just wants That's the money. That's what I'm saying.
0: Like, he has no regard for, like, human life. Yeah. In
1: 1958, he sunk another boat under suspicious circumstances off the coast of Cuba where... I- and,
0: I thought insurance was, like, better at this.
1: Uh, okay. Well, not back in the day, apparently. Maybe that's why it is now.
0: <laughs> now they're like, we're not paying anyone. Yeah,
1: these, so these losses and tragedies had yielded large insurance s- settlements that Julian benefited from. It was then discovered that Julian was deeply in debt, and just weeks before the journey on the Bluebell, he had taken a double-indemnity life insurance policy out on his new bride, Mary... For 20 grand, which would pay out to 40 grand in the event of an accidental death.
0: I just like, I mean, I guess this was a while ago, so it'd be more money, but like. Yeah. Okay. He's going to murder his wife for the insurance money. Yeah.
1: Okay. It was concluded that the evening of the Bluebell sinking, Julian had most likely planned for his wife to disappear overboard and then he could use the Dupereau family as witnesses that like
0: his like new wife. Yeah. Brand new wife. Fresh. He's gonna throw wife. her overboard.
1: And he is Great. they they think that he assumed he could like dispose of her quietly and then be like, Oh my yeah. god, where's then, Mary? Oh she
0: fell overboard. And then everyone's
1: gonna be like, Where's Mary? She was here and then they could all vouch that she was mm-hmm. there and then she's gone. Like the
0: Natalie Wood thing. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Um and
0: looking at you what's his
1: face what's his face (laughs) (laughs) but it was thought that maybe like she put up more of a struggle than he thought and that arthur might have saw them them
0: up or yeah yeah, like might have
1: seen them struggling and Mm -hmm. or like he or gene saw him kill mary like something happened where like I don't think that he his plan was to kill everyone that night. I think it was to get rid of Mary, have witnesses go back, collect the money, be good to go. Ugh. And so, but then when they saw that he had to get rid of all the witnesses, so he killed everyone.
0: Oh, that's horrible.
1: And he either thought that Terry Joe would sink with the ship and drown anyway, so he didn't feel threatened, mm-hmm. leaving her alive, or he had planned to kill her. But since she lost, she dropped the lifeboat rope he had to dive in and get the lifeboat yeah otherwise he would be fucked so he had to make a decision to just leave her and probably thought like well she's not going to survive anyway because i got the only lifeboat but unfortunately the coward killed himself so there was no trial and terry joe insisted on keeping the clothes that she was wearing during her ordeal and she changed her name to Okay, so her name was Terry Joe T-E-R-R-Y, and mm-hmm. she changed her name to Tere, T-E-R-E. She said okay. she did it because she didn't want people to think she was a victim, but I'm not sure what the significance of Tere and Terry are.
0: Maybe, she just, maybe she's still Terry, but she just did Wanted the spelling so people can't be like, oh my God, you're that little girl. Maybe.
1: Oh, maybe that makes sense. And due, due to the wonderful mental health practices of the 1960s, author- <laughs> authority figures didn't speak to Terry about her ordeal after she recounted like, everything the first yeah, time. I you'll
0: get over it. Yeah. yeah.
1: She received no trauma counseling. Oh. She said, everyone was told not to speak to me about it. So
0: Lovely. I never was
1: able to talk about it
0: just bottle it up and pretend it didn't happen. Yep. Pretend you didn't spend 40s in the fucking ocean and your whole family wasn't slaughtered in front of you. Yep. She, That's healthy. She
1: said that uh it was always it was always in my mind. I did see a psychiatrist, but he didn't really get to the meat of what was my problem, and that was the loss of my family.
0: Uh yeah.
1: I didn't witness any killing, she said. I did see my mother and brother dead with blood. I never saw my father, I never saw Mrs. Harvey, and I never saw my sister. She didn't speak publicly about the loss of her family and uh, and what she went through for 20 years. She married four times and had three children. And Mm -hmm. she said that after many years of, uh, she said for many years after the incident, she would go down to Florida and walk the beaches looking for her father because she never really had closure that he was actually dead
0: oh, that's so heartbreaking
1: and her and her family eventually moved close to the ocean and she got a job by the beach or something, and she spent a lot of time walking the beaches and
0: they never found any of her family no
1: just her well, didn't just Renee, like I had a, just Renee, the little the sister aunt. in yeah, the boat. Yeah. But the rest, everyone else was lost at sea. Um, as an adult, she was able to get therapy. That actually did help her. And once she retired, she, her and her family moved back to Wisconsin. And then she wrote a memoir in 2010 called Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean, which she co-authored with, with psychologist and survival expert Richard Logan. 49 years after the tragedy, Terry Joe granted a television interview with Matt Lauer, and she said that she doesn't want people to think, gee, that poor little girl, but rather she wants people to think to themselves, she has gone on with her life. She also mm-hmm. stated she has always believed I... W- she, ha- she says that I, w- I always believed I was saved for a reason. If one person mm-hmm. heals from a life tragedy after reading my story... My journey will have been worth it.
0: What a strong person. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. To like think that quickly and survive that many days. Like how resilient to be like, oh, I can just think of my family. Yeah. And that will get me through. Ugh.
1: And it was basically like if she hadn't been found when she was found, she would have died
0: that day. How amazing. Yeah. What an amazing person!
1: Oh my god! Yeah, the will to just survive. Like,
0: why did he? Why did he take one of the kids?
1: I think what happened probably was that he he did probably find her body floating in the water after the ship sank, and he wanted to make it seem like he tried everything he could to save them. Like, look, I even tried to rescue this child. Like, she was all I could get. Like, everyone was stuck under the masts, and like there was fires, and I had to go because like. You know, I tried to help them, but when I, when I went to get the lifeboat ready for everyone, it fell in the water, and I had to dive in and get it. And then I tried to save this child, and
0: and they didn't find out how she died.
1: Not that I could. I mean, it didn't say when I was reading. I think. Oh no, it did. I think it said that she drowned. Ugh. So. Yeah. Oh my god. But not sure like exactly what he did to sink the ship or how it was taking on so much water. And Terry Joe said there was never a fire. It didn't catch on fire. The mast didn't break. It was just taking on water.
0: Hmm.
1: So that's the story of the Bluebell and the survival of Terry Joe. Wow, Terry Joe. Right. Wow. 11 years old.
0: I... uh,
1: Wow. I mean, can you imagine how terrifying, not only the whole thing of you being on the boat, your family being slaughtered, basically in front of you, but like being in the middle of a shark infested ocean.
0: Okay. (sighs) I was like afraid of the dark in my own room and what was under the bed. (sighs) Yeah. I can't even imagine like however many feet below me is just like mysterious darkness.
1: And the little floaty that you're on is slowly disintegrating.
0: And the monsters under the bed are like real life monsters in the ocean. And they can come up and eat like you up lick your feet in a second.
1: Because <gasps> your feet are dangling. I already...
0: Like, you know how I feel about, like, being in a river and a fish touching my feet, like, how much I hate that. Like, I cannot have fish brush against me, and I just can't even – just, like, the absolute darkness yeah. of being on the ocean. Alone at night. Alone. With at 11 years old. Nothing,
1: like, like, you don't even know if your little raft is going to survive the night. You're freezing probably, like, on the verge of, like, hypothermia. Then the sun comes up, and you're, like, so hot and burnt and, like – the mm-hmm. salt is getting into your burns and like drying everything out and
0: They're just like so dehydrated. You're mm-hmm. just like shriveling up. Yeah. Yeah. The This is so horrible. <laughs> I mean I thought like, I could just lighten the mood. <laughs> and then and then coming home having lost your whole family yep. and no one will talk to you about nope. it. Oh, they're just like, well, we're just pretending like it didn't even happen. You'll just
1: move in with and your aunt like, and your cousins and
0: pretend like nothing happened. Don't even talk about your family. Nope. Like, how Like how does that even make sense? Like, I know that's the thing that they did where it's like something awful happened to you. Don't talk about it because that will make it worse. But, like, how does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, cause, well, because if you talk about it, then you're reliving it. And then if you're reliving it, you're like re but if you forget about it and everyone pretends it doesn't exist then it never happened and you can't have trauma If you never
0: <laughs> process it yep. then you're fine yeah oh my god that was a cheery tale i just and then i wonder like i guess if he got away with it he would have just like kept doing yeah he would have kept like killing people for insurance money and like whatever yeah He has something going on for sure. Yeah. I don't know if it's PTSD. I don't know if it's like. Uh, Like adrenaline. Yeah.
1: I mean, like I said, I think a lot of it like it's probably trauma based, but also like, oh, I need money. How do I make money? The most amount of money right now. Insurance fraud. I've done it before. It's easy. I just have to do these things and I can get... I mean, I'm sure there were more examples of him doing insurance fraud like throughout his whole life. Those are just the biggest ones you, that I brought up.
0: Do you think he married...
1: Mary for, uh, for insurance?
0: Mary just for that purpose? Well, yeah, because
1: they'd only been married for like a month and his, if his whole plan was to like kill her so we could get the insurance policy. I mean, he took out the life insurance like a week before they went out.
0: This is like so sad. It's like this family just wanted to try something new yeah,
1: an adventure and it,
0: they hired the wrong guy yep.
1: like i said like I, they were a happy family everything was great they just wanted to try a little adventure get out of wisconsin for the harsh winter do something that like the dad had always dreamed of doing the kids were stoked the wife was pretty excited they had a great vacation like they were supposed to return to florida like in a couple days and,
0: and like I they just were slaughtered. had to murder yep. everyone. Yep. Ugh And then he couldn't even all face his bad. own
1: consequences, so he killed himself. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg.
0: The tossed salad, a scrambled egg.
1: The tossed salad. A
0: tossed salad.
1: And the scrambled egg.
0: A scrambled egg. So, a toss salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway.
1: Right, so the toss salad has more components, the person is able to com- compartmentalize. And
0: a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled.
1: Just one component, one track mind, they're all kinds of mixed up, there's no focus, they're disorganized. So I think he's a toss salad.
0: How are you going to, like, murder children and be like, eh, whatever?
1: I mean, yeah, (laughs) he was fine with it until he knew that she was going to tell her side.
0: Horrible. That's horrific.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, like, tossed salad, but you have to have a... Tossed monster. Tossed monster salad, but you got to have, like, a little scrambled egg to feel zero empathy for... Yeah, murdering innocent well, people just so you can yeah, get paid. And, just to
0: like, and the other thing is, yeah, like, he just, was
1: getting paid $100 a day to charter this yacht out. Like, that's a lot of money right? in 1961. So he was getting money, well, it's but not, it's not $40,000. Know,
0: $40, yeah. For, like, a one-night, one oops, overboard. But it's, like...
1: You get paid a hundred dollars a day in nineteen sixty one to take a family out to the Bahamas, and like you get to enjoy the Bahamas too, and like yeah, you have your meals cooked for you from your wife, and like
0: yeah, and, who apparently is a good kitchen kitchen <laughs> <laughs> chicken cook.
1: Yeah, apparently.
0: And not to mention, like, poor her. Mm -hmm. Like, she probably was like, oh, I married this, like, war hero, super adventurous guy. He can sail. We're going to go on this, like, fucking awesome trip to the Bahamas, like, on a boat. Like, it's going to be super cool. She was a
1: flight attendant, so she was already, like, adventurous adventurous. and, like, interested in traveling. And she was a writer, an aspiring writer, so she's probably like, oh, I'm going to go on an adventure. I'm going to have things to write about. And, like.
0: Like, newlywed, exciting. Yeah,
1: get to go explore the Bahamas with my new husband and, we're getting paid to do this.
0: <sighs> mm-hmm.
1: And then he just. And all I gotta do is cook out. up some
0: chicken. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah.
1: Fucking Shit. evil.
0: That was horrible. Shit salad. Hate him. Well, uh, yeah. Just to like murder the people you're supposed to love. It's like your whatever number wife and her mom when you're just like. Oh, well, I guess I got away with that one, so I'll just do it again. Mm-hmm. Monsters.
1: Absolutely.
0: E- absolutely. E- absolutely, monsters.
1: Oprah. Um, S- speaking of monsters, no.
0: Speaking of monsters under the bed.
1: If you need to take a bath after hearing that disturbing, disgusting If you need disgusting to disgusting listen. Tale.
0: If you're feeling, like, so...
1: If a sneaky wind I just came keep and thinking destroyed. She's
0: like eating her feet yes. like a camera. Oh, stop
1: if you, you know what? Here we go. Her
0: feet.
1: Instead of having parrot feet, parrot feet, parrot fish come nibble your feet to clean them, Humblebee Herbal has a great box, a, uh, an already put together, curated box just for your feet.
0: Fish free.
1: Fish free. No fish parrot free. will be nibbling on your feet.
0: That's horrible. Uh,
1: the box has soaking salts for your feet and a nice...
0: Pumice scrub bar. So you soak your feet, scrub off the dead the, the skin. Pumice, and then the pumice
1: scrub bar is a soap. So you're washing and scrubbing, soaking, washing, scrubbing, and then... And
0: then then you can dry off your feet and then put on a salve and little socks and you're good to go. Your feet, your feet will be so smooth, so fresh, It'll be so like you beautiful. had
1: newborn baby feet, and you're... It'll
0: be just like you grew some newborn <laughs> baby feet. You scrubbed off your, like, old crusty feet, and you got some fresh newborn baby feet. So... With your sharp little toenails.
1: So go ahead and order the, uh, what is it called?
0: Happy Feet Deluxe Spa Box, and your feet will be happy
1: Mm, just like a parrot fish licked your feet
0: just like newborn baby parrot feet so
1: go ahead and get yourself some newborn feet order the happy feet deluxe spa box from humble bee herbal and
0: that's all you'll ever need use code
1: crimey 20 to get 20 percent off that order so you can get a discount on your nice new baby feet well baby <laughs> feet are not included
0: Baby feet, do not guarantee. <laughs> Humblebee Herbal does not guarantee you will get fresh baby feet.
1: <laughs> but your feet will be nice and smooth and clean.
0: But your feet will, thank you. Humblebee Herbal does not guarantee your feet will start to talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Humblebeeherbal.com. Do it. You walk on those things all day, every day. Treat them. Do Treat your feet.
0: Give them some thanks and praise because feet are amazing. They're working hard. They're working so hard.
1: Humblebeeherbal.com. Check it out.
0: Check it out. Ch-ch-ch.
1: And now for the portion that we like to call and Six, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you
0: forget the terrible things we just told you. Okay, so since I got a break this week from this we're going to do some criminy sakes. Woo, woo, woo. Let's do
1: it. Criminy sakes. Do you have some? I do. Oh, good. I have some, too.
0: I found this okay, website okay. called Murdoch
1: okay.
0: University. Uh-huh. So, in 2011, 53-year-old Michael Anthony Fuller from North Carolina, USA, walked into a Walmart store and bought a vacuum cleaner and microwave for $476. Damn! So must far, have been nothing a, wrong with that, Must have right? been a Dyson. It's probably a Dyson. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh-huh. You guys got to get a Dyson. Got to. Speaking of, we're going to have to get a vacuum. Yeah. I can't afford a Dyson, so...
1: Man, I'm just lucky that the woman that rented the house that I'm in before me left her Dyson, and I fixed it, it because she probably thought it was broken, but
0: but it's just clogged you guys if you clean out a vacuum cleaner <laughs> it it's amazing <laughs> okay so i did that too where i was like vacuuming and i was like well this vacuum is not working like what the hell and i like pulled it apart and then like the tube yeah,
1: was, was so packed
0: yeah. i was like oh yeah oh and then i cleaned every bit out and then i was like this thing sucks like nothing for oh
1: yeah i, I completely took apart that dyson and cleaned every bit of it and put it back together and it works like a charm
0: yeah, amazing. It's like so a $300. Vac- this is a PSA yeah. like a, to clean out your vacuum. It's
1: like a $300 vacuum. She just left.
0: Thanks. Vacuum your vacuums, y'all. Yeah. Okay, so, well, Michael attempted to pay for his purchases using a million-dollar note from the <laughs> game Monopoly. <laughs> Sounds legit. After demanding change of nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand five hundred and twenty-four dollars from the cashier, the police were promptly called and was he was arrested. He was charged with attempting to obtain property by false pretenses with a bond of ninety-seven thousand five hundred dollars. I feel like they should have made the bond nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand five hundred (laughs) twenty-four dollars. Damn, that's bold. I mean, he
1: didn't even need to just be like it was just a joke. Little and blue. Like, he demanded it. He's like, this is my money.
0: He's like, how are you guys not accepting this million dollars? Look, I have it. It's mine. Are you going to call me like, a liar? He was like, clearly, you guys are poor, and you've never seen a million yeah, dollar well, note that's before, the problem. Only a few people
1: have them, so. This
0: is legit. There's, like, nothing on the back. It's and there's like just a on the front. picture
1: of the Monopoly man <laughs> on it.
0: Hey, that's legit. That could be a president. <laughs> we've we've had some fucked up presidents. That's true. Could be the Monopoly mm-hmm. man. Wow.
1: Um, I have one from jrlcharts.com. So, this pl- takes place in Moscow on August 4th of this year. A would-be adult store robbery suspect was captured on CCTV being beaten off with an 18-inch sex toy by the adult store employee. Footage Excuse me? <laughs> footage from the unidentified adult store in Russia shows the armed robber, robbery suspect, entering the shop showing a small knife. He then demands the adult store employee hand over the money, but instead, the woman responded by grabbing an 18-inch dildo off the counter, and beating the would-be robber over the head with it before chasing him out of the store.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Needless to say, no money was taken and no injuries were reported <gasps> except for the would-be armed robber's pride being bruised. The CCTV, oh, footage,
0: ego. <laughs>
1: the CCTV fu- footage had been going vir- viral online with over 135,000 views on the social network VK. Oh, I love that. It's like this huge dildo and she's just like beating him on the head with it.
0: She was resourceful. She looked around. She saw the weapon. She's like, this is effective. It's effective. (laughs) I'm going to use this. The
1: moral of that story is always keep your 18-inch dildo within arm's reach.
0: First, get one. If you don't have one, get one. Oh, I just assumed
1: everyone had an 18-inch dildo. And then keep it (laughs) on
0: your person at all times. Yeah, get a little holster for it. (laughs) <laughs> it's like that video of that person who goes to the airport and then the tsa like opens her bag and there's like a dildo like right there and then he like closes it and looks they're like come on and she was like so embarrassed oh my god i was so ridiculous oh uh,
1: so mm, funny i'm sure that happens she could have been like hey time. man that's
0: my weapon yeah i had to i'm trying to bring that on the plane just in case you can't say
1: that because then they won't let you bring it and then they're gonna ban dildos on planes
0: I'm surprised they haven't already. Holster your dildo. water, so, you know. Holster.
1: <laughs> Until after. You got the, like, look,
0: holsters, like, up top. To like, the little vest holsters keep your, and the side holsters. Keep your seat
1: in the upright position and your tray locked and your dildo holstered for takeoff and landing.
0: At all times, at all times. please. <laughs> yeah, not just takeoff and landing. You need to holster that thing all the time. Yeah,
1: unless someone is wielding a knife, then go ahead and beat them over the head with it.
0: That's exactly right, Uh by all means. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, you can't bring any other weapon on a plane just in case, so Mm -hmm. might as well bring what you can. Might as well. Uh, In 2015, Christopher Wallace, a 24-year-old from Maine, USA, was on the run from police after allegedly stealing cooking equipment. Having successfully evaded police for weeks, he started to get cocky, posting to Snapchat that he was at home hiding from police. (laughs) On seeing this, a couple of his followers altered police... Oh, alerted police, who then went to search his home. Unfortunately, despite the tip-off, police had no luck finding him and called the search off. Oh. That's when Christopher posted again, saying police were in his house and he was hiding in a cabinet. <laughs> police were alerted again and searched the cabinets to find pots, pans, and a pair of feet. The feet were attached to Christopher, and he was placed under arrest. Idiot. Why an idiot?
1: Idiot. Oh, God. Uh, okay, this one is from APNews.com says, Bristol, Connecticut. A Connecticut woman who had a package stolen from her front step discovered that the culprit was a black bear. Kristen Levine of Bristol posted home surveillance video on Facebook on Monday showing the bear sauntering across her driveway with the Amazon <laughs> package in its mouth. Yeah, so if anyone sees an Amazon package in the Chippens Hill area with my name on it, feel free to bring it back, Levine wrote in her post. Levine told NBC Connecticut that she received an alert from her security system about five minutes after Amazon dropped off the package and was taken aback because, she said, I was taken aback because I wasn't expecting anyone else in my driveway. The bear, she said, ended up dropping off the parcel in a neighbor's yard. It was apparently not interested in the contents of several rolls of toilet paper, she said. It was. <laughs>
0: oh my God, like a Charmin. <laughs> yeah! bear. She said
1: it was hysterical. Like I said, I knew nothing in there was going to be irreplaceable, so it was a fun afternoon for sure. Levine's posts <laughs> received numerous comments, including from people comparing it to the bear from the Charmin toilet paper commercials.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have one more. Okay. In 2016, bank employee Alberto Saverda Lopez. Saavedra Lopez from Arizona was suspected of stealing $5,000 from his workplace over the course of three months. He was reported to authorities and promptly quit his job and moved to Phoenix. In 2018, despite being a fugitive, Alberto applied for a job as a dispatcher for the local police department. (laughs) On seeing his application Uh. and making the connection, the police couldn't believe their luck and thought the easiest way to catch him was to offer him a job interview. When he arrived, suited up and ready to impress, he was a on the spot
1: uh idiot you don't think they're gonna do background Dude. check on you
0: he's like the best place to hide is in plain oh, sight that <laughs>
1: is true though that I mean just like that guy who was in a cabinet if he hadn't said anything
0: uh yeah cocky much
1: mm, well, people are dumb with social media okay did I do this one I might have done this one stop me if you've heard this. I got this from MLive.com, Ottawa County, Michigan. A Grand Haven couple has been ordered to pay $45,000 after disposing of their son's pornography collection. (laughs) What? David Working, 43, sued his parents after they threw away what a judge called (gasps) a trove of pornography and an array of sex toys. Uh-oh. US District Judge Paul Maloney in Kalamazoo ordered Beth and Paul Working to pay $30,441.54 to their son and $14,519.82 to his attorney. Maloney, what? Maloney earlier granted the son's request for for summary judgment but delayed a ruling on damages. Son wins lawsuit after mom throws away his best porno mags the judge the judge denied the son's request for treble damages which can be awarded under Michigan's conversion statute Maloney said that a defense hired expert in pornography valuation, Dr. Excuse me? Dr. Victoria, doctor. Dr. Victoria Hartman determined that the destroyed collection's value was $30,441.54.
0: What is her doctorate in? <laughs> uh, pornography doctor?
1: Pornography valuation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, I have so many questions.
1: Hartman could not provide a value for 107 titles on the Suns list. However, given the wide range of valuations for individual pieces and the inability of Dr. Hartman to even estimate the value of these pieces, the court declines to use an average value to award damages for these titles, Maloney wrote. David Working valued the collection at $25,000, but asked the judge to triple damages for what his attorney, Miles Greengard called the wanton destruction of the property. They contended that much of the collection could not be replaced, which, what does that mean? They're like, homemade tapes? David working had moved in with his parents in late 2016 after a divorce. And when he moved out, he expected his parents to send his belongings to Indiana. A dozen boxes of pornographic films and magazines never showed up in an email. His father wrote, frankly, David, I did you a big favor getting rid of all that stuff.
0: (laughs) That's such a dad response.
1: But he fucking won the lawsuit.
0: Uh, so what? That judge had that happen to him. He was like, Oh my God, man. I've been there. done it.
1: that. My parents threw away my pornography, and that's why I became a judge. So that I, I could...
0: can't get back some of those videos. And I really, <laughs> yep, I feel for you, man. <laughs>
1: Irreplaceable. We're going to get a doctor to tell us how much the porn was worth.
0: Okay. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can do anything. You can like literally do anything you set your mind to.
1: You can. At least. You want to be a doctor of
0: pornography? You can become a doctor of pornography.
1: Yeah, you just have to I I I don't even know.
0: I don't know either.
1: Now I'm just imagining a doctor of pornography has like, like a five foot long dildo that just wraps around the neck like a stethoscope, kind of. That's just like like a scarf. You know
0: that she has an eighteen foot whatever holster at all that's times. That's long, long ass we just
1: like dragging behind her. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trip.
0: <laughs>
1: She's just. She likes all, to make an entrance. All decked and out and an exit. All decked out that's in right. dogs.
0: she had to wear her best regalia to uh court you know
1: well yeah how else are you gonna know that she's the porn doctor
0: oh that's right yeah
1: yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. the porn doctor is here don't worry oh my god
1: well you think that's good
0: I think that's pretty good. What do you think? I think so. I think we did it. All
1: right. Well, thanks for joining us for another week of tragedy and comedy and all oh, the things
0: that was so sad. <laughs> and thanks for bearing with us in this transitional period. Yep. And, hope and let I'm us know safe. If,
1: let us know if you would prefer us to use our smooth jazz voices to our regular voices. Yeah,
0: let us know how you feel about smooth jazz all the time.
1: Let us know how you feel about us describing 18-inch dildos being used (laughs) as weapons with our sexy voices. And check out our sponsor, Humble Be Herbal. Get yourself something nice. Treat yourself during this weird time, weird times we're living in. Yes. Yeah, check in with yourself. Give yourself some time and some space and...
0: Self care. Yes. Look, we all have trauma. Let's deal with let's it. Talk let's talk about it. Our trauma on other people. Let's not bottle it up. No. Let's not be the doctors of the '70s. Let's be let's the doctor, like a porn doctor, yes. let's, and let's talk about let's it. Be
1: the doctors of porn.
0: Let's all be open to having in difficult conversations. And
1: remember to always keep your 18-inch dildo holstered until you are ready to take someone's life with it.
0: So please, please always keep your dildos holstered. holstered.
1: Safety. At- Never point one at someone unless you are ready <laughs>
0: to. <laughs> Do not ever point it at a person
1: Mm-mm, unless you're ready to take on the responsibility that comes with that.
0: Unless it's a, a safe, a safe time to be pointing it. And
1: everyone says yes.
0: We all know that they they can be weapons, so let's not use them as weapons unless needed.
1: Love weapons. <laughs>
0: And <laughs> sometimes violent weapons <laughs> for protection.
1: Protection only. All right.
0: All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening.
1: We will speak at you in a in a week, two weeks. Yeah. Whatever that means.
0: Thanks, y'all. Not
1: next week, but the week after.
0: That's right. All right. All right.
1: Goodbye.
0: Good night, everyone. Sleep tight with these uh, lovely images to put you to sleep.
1: At the Sandman Inn. Mm, smooth
0: <laughs> jazz. Sandman in smooth and relaxing. <sighs> <laughs> bye. Okay, bye.